All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, or yee-haw, I guess is what I'm supposed to say. We, uh, we're really glad that you're here, and uh, it's been a great hour already. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and I echo what Pastor Jerry said just a moment ago, how grateful we are for the uh, leaders and workers that we had all week. They've invested a lot in your children. Uh, I don't know about you, but I still have memories from the days that I was in vacation Bible school about a century ago. Uh, it made that kind of impact on me. And uh, we're counting on the fact that God planted some deep seeds in the lives and in the hearts of your children that will grow forth and bring fruit and uh, make an impact on their lives and on our world uh, in the years to come. We look forward to seeing all of that. What a very, very special week. I had the opportunity to be around. Can you give me my first slide, Juan? It's not popping up. Jerry, it's not popping up for me. Thank you. There you go. We had a fantastic week this week uh, in every sense of the word. Um, I, I got to be around every day and see some of these things transpire. I'm talking about all the way from the snacks to the Bible studies. The snacks were unbelievable. They had a little theme going every day that was kind of a Western theme. And, and one of those that stood out to me the most was the Rice Krispie treats that were like bales of hay all bundled up and everything. Uh, not that I consumed all these things. I just kind of looked at them. Um, but we had wonderful crafts that the kids were able to do, and they had a lot of fun and, and expressed themselves creatively. And there was some recreation that happened so that they learned a little teamwork, a little competition. And then, of course, right at the heart of vacation Bible school is the Bible. And they had some very important lifetime, eternal type Bible lessons, and uh, you heard Kristen kind of go through a little outline of what they did day by day through the week. Now, if some of this is new to you and you're wondering, why is the Bible such a big deal? Why do we have it right at the heart of this week of activity and fun and, and kid-type stuff? And, and friend, it's very simple. It's this. We believe that the Bible holds the keys to the mysteries of life. In other words, we think that God gave us the Bible. And in it, He revealed Himself to us and He revealed His plans for us. Now, we shared some of those ideas in very simplistic ways for the kids this week. You already heard them articulate them through the song. We called it the ABCs of the Christian faith. And uh, if you were tracking with the kids, you heard that A stands for admit. Admit that you're a sinner. B stood for believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died so that you could be forgiven of your sin. And then the C stands for confess. That is to say, I not only say out loud, I believe that Jesus is Lord and he forgives my sin. But confess means that I commit to that. I will follow him as a confessor of who he is the rest of my life. Now, I want to expound on that a little bit with some of us older kids for just a few minutes. And then we're going to adjourn here. And uh, those of you that are our family and guests of our kids, we've got a pizza party and some other cool stuff that you'll hear about in just a moment following it all. And some kind of reptile man which will be a whole lot of fun. You won't believe what this guy has to show you. 
But before we get to all that, let me just unpack a couple of things here for you about this. For example, under the A, admit that you're a sinner. Is, is that really necessary? In fact, is I've had conversations with people through the years, and we turn the conversation in the direction of faith. Sometimes they'll say to me, you know, I don't mind talking about faith. I don't mind talking about God. Just don't call me a sinner. And the fact of the matter is, I don't know how you can have a conversation about the Christian faith without talking about sin, because that is why Jesus came. He came because we are all sinners. The Bible says every person that has ever drawn a breath is a sinner. Now, basically, to sin means to miss God's standard. It's like shooting an arrow at a target and you not only miss the bullseye, it fell flat and didn't even reach the target. That's what it means to sin. You miss God's standard. And the Bible teaches us that the first step in beginning to receive all that God wants to give you and bless you with is to break through a little denial and admit, you know what? I am a screw-up. I am a sinner. I am a broken, busted person who needs a God who can save him. Which leads us in the second place to believe on Jesus. Now, in our country, United States of America... Statistically, almost everyone believes that Jesus was a literal historical figure. So that's not really so much what we're talking about believing. Most people believe that Jesus lived. The piece that becomes a little more faith-based is that did he live a perfect life and then die a sacrificial, substitutionary death that atones for your sin in mind. That's the question. That's the faith piece. Did he die an atoning death? And what the Bible teaches us is that Jesus not only died, but when he did, God took your sin and my sin and placed it on Jesus, who was perfect, who was without sin. And thereby, he took our sin from us in an atoning way so that we can be forgiven. He paved the way so that God could forgive us. Which leads us in the third place to say, Do you, can you, have you confessed that? Which is not only to say out loud, but is to say with the totality of your life in a committed kind of way. I will follow Jesus all of my life and tell and confess He's Lord and he's Savior. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, everyone who believes that Jesus died for their sins and rose from the grave and will confess that will be saved, will have sins forgiven and have a relationship with God. Now, if you ABC it, the Christian faith, then there is a, a piece that we didn't really get into that much with the kids this week that I'm going to get into with a little bit with you. And that, is, that means you have a mission. Because Jesus said, everyone who follows me does what I do. And Jesus said, I came into this world 
to seek and to find those who are lost so that they can be found by God. They're, they're like sheep who are lost who want to be found by their shepherd, God. And those of us that have admitted our own sins, believed in Jesus Christ for forgiveness, confessed Him as our Lord, we all have a mission to tell good news. Not to force religion on anybody, not to cram any stuff down somebody's throat, not to uh, be kind of obnoxious and weird and all that kind of stuff, but to simply say, hey, you know what, there's good news. We're all kind of busted people. God knows it. God cares about that. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. And it's all found in Jesus. That, that's it. The simple message. Now, for the last few weeks around here, that's what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. We've been in a, a series of talks taken from the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. So if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to encourage you to open it up to chapter 10. We're going to read just a few verses, and we're going to continue the study that we've been doing in here for weeks and uh, we're just going to do it for a few minutes, and then we're going to be through. But here's the deal. We've been in a section of Matthew that has focused on Jesus' mission. Where Jesus says to those that follow him, I want you to tell good news. I want you to be my representative, my ambassador in this world. I want you to help shed light on the dark things about life. And last week, what we got into was this. There's a cost that goes with that. You pay a price to be on mission for Christ. And sometimes that means that people reject you. Sometimes that means that people exclude you, that they don't want to have anything to do with you. Sometimes it even means that people persecute you. There's a cost that goes with being on mission for Christ. Now, Jesus, knowing all that, goes on to say in chapter 10, verse 26, even though this is kind of frightening that people might not like you don't be afraid and today we're going to talk about the courage that goes with the mission so pick up uh, the reading with me in verse 26 Jesus is talking he said so have no fear of them them being those who oppose you that would ridicule you that would reject you have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known what I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now keep your Bible open because you're going to want to look down at those verses as I talk about them. Again, we're just going to look at them real briefly here. When he starts talking about the courage that is necessary for you to do life with him and be on mission with him, he basically points out three things. And the first is this. He brings some clarity 
to what the mission is all about. The mission, friends, is not primarily about being good people. The mission is not primarily about being moral people. Now, behavior is important to God. He wants us to be good and moral. But the mission is about telling good news. About letting know how God has pursued us by sending Jesus for us. Now, uh, I get into these conversations all the time because uh, as I'm in various circles and people get to know me a little bit occasionally, uh, they're pretty kind to me and affirm me. And they will sometimes remark, you know, you're, you're a very moral guy. You, you're a good guy. I mean, I, I appreciate so much the way you've been generous to me or the way that you've been kind to me and so on. Now, when people say that kind of thing to me, I have to hasten and say, time out. I appreciate that very much. But really, I am not that good of a guy. I don't even have to tell them to go talk to my wife, although they could. And she would confirm that statement. But here's the fact of the matter. If you've ever experienced me with some kindness or some generosity or uh, whatever other virtue that has stood out, Friends, that's because Christ is in my heart and he is constantly shaping on my life and transforming me from uh, kind of a screw up to something that is more whole and sound. That's the good news right there, because Jesus does that not only for me, he'll do that for anyone that turns to him. Now, listen, if I did not say that. If I did not explain where my hope and my help come from, then basically I've just acted like a good guy. Just a nice guy. And that's not the mission. So in other words, there's no such thing as, uh, well, I want to follow Christ, but I'm just going to let my behavior do the talking. Confess. You say out loud. Jesus is just making it clear This isn't just about being good people. This is about telling people, you follow me. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're being worked over and transformed by my power. And so we go that little extra and share good news. The second thing that Jesus does with this little passage is that he tries to uh, bring a sense of conviction about what this all uh, is about. This is very, very weighty, eternal stuff. He says, I know that sometimes when you're just trying to share good news and you're trying to bless people and, and uh, bring my presence to bear in whatever circumstance or situation, I know that there will be those times that people oppose you, that people will misunderstand it, they'll reject you, they may even hurt you. In Jesus' day... They would lose their jobs for being a follower of Christ. They would be uh, excluded from their families. They would be forbidden to come back to the house of worship, the synagogue or the temple. And sometimes they were even martyred and killed. Unless you think that's just something that happened in the ancient days 2,000 years ago, that still happens all over this planet. It just doesn't happen in our country. 
there are still tens and hundreds of thousands of Christians martyred every year on this planet. So it's still a relevant word for us today. It just doesn't happen so much in our country. But here's the point. Jesus said, don't fear those who can just hurt or kill the body. What you need to fear, what you need to have a, a real holy respect about is the one who not only can affect the body, but can affect the soul. And what Jesus is saying is that it's your choice. You have the power. You have the freedom to say yes or to say no to the gospel. You can say yes or you can say no to Jesus being Savior and Jesus being Lord. But here's what you need to understand. If you say no, then someday you will stand before God who has the capacity to refuse you admittance to heaven. Because heaven is for those who follow Christ. It's not for good people. It's for those who follow and commit and confess Christ. Now, let me hasten to the third piece where we get to the reason of the mission. And that's his compassion. Because already, somebody had a thought that was so loud, I heard it. And that was, okay, Scott, now you're getting into, how can you say God is a good God, and how can a good God send anybody to hell? Well, here's what you need to understand. God doesn't send anyone to hell. Hell is a reality. Hell is going to be filled with people someday. But not because God sent anybody there. Here's the deal. What sin is about is a very, very big deal. Sin is not a, oops, made a mistake. Sin is a condition of the life. Sin is a nature that is fallen and broken in us. That is bent against God. You go, I never act against God. Anytime you choose to have yourself on the throne of your life, rather than the God who created you, you are in effect Adam and Eve at that point, who, who are in a coup who are in a rebellion against God. The fact of the matter is God created all the heavens, all the earth, all therein. He created you. He created me. He's Lord over it all. He's sovereign over it all. And anyone who does not accept his sovereignty automatically stands their own sovereignty over his. So it's, it's a warring. It is a rebelling. It is a in-your-face kind of thing. To a holy, benevolent God. And what the Bible says is that everyone since Adam and Eve, who have been born of this world, have been born of this world already sinful by nature and condemned for all eternity. Every one of us. We're all born of this world condemned by our sin. By the rebellion of humanity. 
So the question really is, how is it that God forgives anybody? How is it that God would accept and embrace anybody? And the answer is, because you matter to Him. Because He cares about you. The Bible says He cares about you. He loves you so much that He gave up glory and came into this world, clothed Himself with flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, walked on this planet with us so that He could live a perfect life and thereby die an atoning death. An unbelievable sacrifice on the part of God. An unbelievable gesture of grace and mercy toward humanity that he would do that. He could have just wiped it all out and started all over again. But because of his compassion. The Bible says it's like this. God knows so much if a little bird just falls out of the sky and hits the ground. He knows it. And Jesus goes on to say, by the way, you matter more to him than a little bird. He knows every time your countenance falls. He knows every heartache, every sorrow. He knows every wound your life has ever taken. And He cares about all of that. And He knows what a screw-up you and I are. How busted and broken and frail we are. And He still wants us. He still longs and yearns for us to have a relationship with Him. And so here's how that works. You admit, busted person, you believe Jesus paid the price for my sinfulness, and you confess He's Lord, He's my Lord, I'll follow Him the rest of my life, living out His mission. All that based in His compassion. Now, we're going to do something uh, across the summer because the summer tends to be a little more laid back for us and a little, a little uh, less hectic for us by way of our pace. And week to week, we're going to just take a couple of minutes for a little Q&A. So I have just put out the eternal truths of God and humanity. And it may have just stirred a question or two. And so let me just see, and if you don't, that's fine. We'll move ahead and we'll wrap things up. But if you do, if you have a question, one or two of you, I'd be glad to try to respond to that. You can just hold up your hand if you have a question for us. I love that. I, I absolutely address this so thoroughly. <laughs> there is no question. So uh, this was the first time I've sprung that on you, but across the summer... As we wrap up the, uh, the talk time, we'll have a little Q&A time. You can look forward to that, and we'll see how that goes. Let me wrap up with this. In light of all that we've been saying, will you admit that you're a sinner? Can you do that? Most of us don't have a problem going, yeah, yeah, that's me. Will you believe that Jesus died for you? That he atoned for your sin so that you could be forgiven. And will you confess that? Will you be willing to say out loud, Jesus is Lord. 
Jesus is Savior, I follow Him with all my life. And thereby be on mission with Him. We believe that today was not only a fun day to see what happened with Vacation Bible School, but we believe today is a divine appointment for you with God. God knew you would be here. And God stirred in the hearts of many of us to serve you in a variety of ways. And He stirred in my heart to say and to speak some things to you that we've talked about. God's done all of that to bring you to a point of focus. A point of question. Friend, this could have just been the most important hour of your life. If all of a sudden the gospel is clear and you choose to accept Christ into your life and to follow him. Now, one of the ways that we have around here to help you kind of have a a process or a step is with that little card, the connection card that we talked about earlier. I just draw your attention to it on the back side of it. At the top left corner, there's a blank that says, I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. If you check that, I'll be pleased to follow up with you either by an email or a phone call or a face visit, whatever works for you. Certainly to pray for you about that kind of decision. In the lines below below where you can write a prayer request, you can also write a commitment there and just say, I ABC. I admit, I believe, I confess today. Pray for me that I can, and fill in the blank, and we'll pray for you. Again, that's all confidential to our staff that meets on Monday mornings as we pray for you. Let me pray for you right now. Would you uh, close your eyes for just a moment? God, thanks so much for the opportunity we've had in these moments. To talk about the Bible and to talk about the gospel and to talk about salvation. I pray that right now your Holy Spirit is working to make that understandable to all of us. And for the heart that is inclined toward you, I pray. Lord, that they'd say yes to this invitation to believe and to receive Jesus. We pray in His name. Amen. Amen.